Well, today we're beginning a new message series which have entitled Profound Stories. And we're going to look at some of the parables which I am talking about as profound stories today that Jesus taught. Parables are stories of common situations in Jesus' day that illustrate spiritual lessons. And so parables are, in fact, profound stories that have a deeper meaning. And Jesus told over three dozen parables during his ministry. His parables often address uh, hard-hitting topics, difficult issues. And so many parables are not often preached on uh, in these days. But uh, we try to preach God's word here as it's written in God's word, as it's written for us. This week I received an email from a lady in North Carolina and uh, I didn't know her, I didn't, was not aware of her, and I'd like to read to you what it said. She said, I live in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and lead ladies' Bible studies and a mentor ladies online and at my church. I'm currently taking courses at Biola and Apologetics. I just wanted to let you know how much I've been able to learn from your solid biblical teaching and study notes. I played one of your sermons on decision-making for one of my women's Bible studies study groups recently since we were building on decision-making from a biblical worldview. Your material is sound, and that's not so easy to find in our current church culture. Thank you for being obedient to God's calling. I have huge churches all around me here in North Carolina, and I grew up in church, but I found that numbers don't mean much unless people are taught to be true disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on keeping on for the Lord. God will honor your courage in upholding the truth of his gospel Thank you, uh, signed Lori. And so that was an encouragement. So our church is reaching, and not just St. Louis, but really across the country to people we don't uh, even know or have never met before. When we're reaching them with the truth of God's word. Today we're going to tackle uh, somewhat of a difficult topic in one of the parables that Jesus taught. I'm entitled the message, Forgiveness Required. And the principle that Jesus is going to illustrate in the story that he taught is found in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so that's where the title of the message comes from, giving forgiveness for those who have been forgiven, for believers is, is not optional, it's required. The problem is that forgiveness is, is often not easy, especially when you've been hurt by somebody else or repeatedly hurt by other people. And this type of unforgiveness can cause damage to relationships, can continue for years sometimes. But if we do what Jesus tells us to do, if we forgive as we've been forgiven, then relationships can be restored. So. We're going to look at some verses before we get into the parable that Jesus uh, taught about forgiveness before we get into the parable. So why, why should we forgive? Uh, forgiveness is uh, involved when one person sins against another person. Jesus taught in Luke chapter 17, we shouldn't cause another person to sin in any way. And we shouldn't sin or hurt another person. But what if another person sins against or, or hurts us? Our tendency is to be focused on our own hurt, what they've done to us, rather than the other person. 
But Jesus taught that we should be concerned about others, even when they've sinned against us. He said in Luke 17, verse 3, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So what Jesus is telling us to do is when somebody sins against us, he talks here about a brother, it would be a fellow believer, we are to rebuke them. What does that mean? Uh, probably not saying I rebuke you. Uh, it means letting them know what they have done to you is wrong. It's, it's hurt you. And when you do that, it accomplishes a number of things. First of all, it lets the other person know their behavior is wrong. It's unacceptable. And in a sense, that protects you from further behavior, or it should. Secondly, it gives the other person an opportunity to repent, to turn away from what they've done that is wrong, and to grow spiritually. If the person tells you, well, I'm sorry, I repent, uh, we forgive them uh, in person to their face. Forgiveness is releasing our right to take, to take revenge or to judge the other person. We continue to love them. If the person keeps on sinning against you and saying, well, I'm sorry, and they repent, we need to keep on forgiving them. We need to have a forgiving attitude. Peter asked Jesus a similar question in Matthew 18. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and forgive him? And I forgive him as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, in Jesus' day, the rabbis taught that you needed to forgive three times. After three times, you didn't need to forgive anymore because the person was obviously not changing their behavior. But Peter went from the three of the rabbis and said seven times. I'll forgive seven times. Surely, Jesus, that should be enough. And Jesus talked to Peter and said, it's not about keeping count of how many times somebody has sinned against you. It's about having a forgiving attitude. When Jesus said 77 times, he didn't mean you keep track of 77 times. He, he meant that our forgiveness must be unlimited, just as God's forgiveness is. Now, the question that arises in my mind, the question probably arises in your mind, what about those who habitually sin against us? They keep doing the same things. They may say they're sorry. And are we to forgive them forever? Must we be their doormat? Must we allow ourselves to be hurt repeatedly? And the answer really is no. We have to take all of God's word into consideration. In Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, Jesus gives us a procedure to follow when a fellow believer in the church has done something to hurt us, who has, done, who has sinned against us. And there's... Uh, we, we talk to them first. If they don't listen, we bring some other believers and talk to them. If they don't listen, then there's church discipline. So there are procedures in place right in this teaching in Matthew 18 uh, where Jesus says forgive 77 times. There are procedures to put into place. But our personal attitude should be that forgiveness is unlimited. But others must be held accountable for their actions as well. Now, does Jesus' teaching saying that if somebody sins against us, we need to re rebuke them, does that mean we're going to go around rebuking people all day long? And uh, there's other scrap scriptures that say that love overlooks a multitude of faults. Uh, little things, somebody says something that irritates you, you really think they shouldn't have said it, we just forgive them in our hearts. 
uh, we say, I forgive you, I'm not going to hold that against you. We don't have to, to pinpoint every little thing that people do. This is talking about major things that people do. Those are the type of things we need to work at bringing reconciliation. We overlook smaller things, forgiving our hearts. We address larger wrongs by following Jesus' teachings that we've talked about. And forgiveness opens the door to being a peacemaker in our relationships. Now let's move on to the story that Jesus told about forgiveness. And in this story, this parable, the first aspect is to understand God's forgiveness. Now so far in our scriptures this morning, Jesus has taught unlimited forgiveness. He goes on to tell this parable story uh, as we move on in Matthew chapter 18 that expands on his teaching. And the first part of God's forgiveness that we need to understand is that our sin debt is unpayable. Let's expand on that as Jesus begins his story in verse 23. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And so Jesus begins this story with a king. And to help us understand, this king represents God in this story. And the king wanted to settle accounts or debts with, the, with his servants who owed him money. And the story focuses on a servant who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, when I got out my calculator, I found that a talent was equal to about 80 pounds of gold. And so I calculated how much a pound of gold was worth by today's value and multiplied it by 80 pounds uh, and then multiplied that by 10,000. And it comes out to be a very large number. It's in the billions of dollars. How this servant occurred such an enormous debt, we are not told. But the point of his debt is there was no way this servant could possibly repay it. It was an astronomical figure. Since the servant could not pay, the king ordered that the man, his wife, his children be sold into slavery along with the sale of all of his possessions. And even if that servant's family worked for the king for their entire lifetime, they wouldn't begin to pay off that debt. And so the application of this aspect of the story to our lives is that our sin has incurred an enormous, unpayable debt towards God. We have broken God's law through sin, each and every one of us, and justice requires us to pay for our crime, but we cannot pay. We cannot pay this unpayable debt. And as we cannot pay the fine, we are likewise ordered into, in his case, in the story, a slavery, in our case, God's judgment is eternal punishment. And yet God mercifully, in our story, forgives the man. The servant, who had this enormous 10,000 talent debt, fell on his knees imploring him, the king, and saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. And so the servant doesn't want to be sold into slavery, spend a lifetime in prison. He falls to his knees 
he begs the king to allow him to pay back the debt. Now, this was a plea of desperation. It made no sense because he never could repay it back. Have patience. You know, it, it didn't make any sense. The king knew that it didn't make any sense. And yet, out of pity for the man, compassion for his family, the king released him from slavery and forgave the entire 10,000 talent debt. And so the first servant had received the king's great mercy and his forgiveness, which he didn't deserve at all. He had incurred this debt. He really owed this much money, but the king forgave him. And in the same way, God chooses to mercifully forgive those who confess their sins and ask for his forgiveness. We are set free from bondage to sin, set free from eternal punishment. Now, the story could, could end here because a very important lesson has been taught by Jesus. We need to understand that the sin debt in every person on this planet that we have towards God is impossible for anyone to pay back. And that's a difficult truth for many people to understand. No amount of money, no amount of good works, no amount of anything you might do, anything you might think of, can pay back this debt, our debt of sin. We're in a hopeless situation. And the punishment that hangs over every person's head on the planet is our sin debt has broken our relationship with God, is going to send us to eternal punishment in hell if something isn't done. But if we humbly admit our sin, we ask for God's forgiveness, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He will mercifully grant us forgiveness. But the story goes on. Jesus goes on, and in this last segment of this profound story, he shows us the requirements to retain God's forgiveness in our lives. For you see, contrary to what many churches teach, God's forgiveness can be lost. And it's plainly taught in this story as well as many other places. In order to retain God's forgiveness in our lives, we must forgive others who sin against us. So let's look at the last part of the parable and the consequences of unforgiveness. Remember, the first servant had been forgiven a debt that he could never have repaid. He didn't deserve to be forgiven, but the king in his mercy forgave him. Now Jesus is going to go on in the story and show us what happens when someone who has been forgiven does not obey Jesus' command to forgive others. This sin of unforgiveness reveals a misunderstanding of God's forgiveness. Jesus continues the story in verse 28. He says, when that same servant, this is the first servant, he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And so the first servant went out and found another servant of his who owed him a hundred denarii. Now a hundred denarii is about a hundred days wages. And depending on what a person makes in a year, perhaps that's something on the order of $20,000. Now that's not a trivial sum. But it's a debt that could easily be paid off over time. It's, you know, it's in the range of a car loan or something like that today. The first servant seemed to have an anger issue as well. I mean, he goes to the guy, grabs him, assaults him, and starts to choke him. 
I mean, he's got multiple issues here. Uh, but the point is that what happened next is the second servant pleaded with the first servant with almost the same words that the first servant pleaded with the king. He said, have patience with me and I will pay you. And probably over time he could have done that. We're not saying, Jesus is not saying that this debt was not a real debt, a hundred denarii. But the serv first servant didn't react the way the king had treated him. The first servant refused to give the second servant the time to repay he had him put into prison to work off his debt away from his family. Now, some of the king's servants saw this exchange between these two servants. Some of the king's other servants saw this exchange between them. And they understood this wasn't right. This wasn't fair. They reported it to the king. Well, what did the king do about it? Well, it actually resulted in the our application is... Unforgiveness is going to result in the revocation of God's forgiveness. Verse 32. Then his master summoned him. This is the first servant. And said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so Jesus is telling us in this story that those who have been forgiven but don't forgive others are judged as wicked by the king. This man had been forgiven an unpayable debt and he should have readily extended the same mercy and forgiveness that he'd received toward people around us, toward people around him who owed a smaller debt. And what were the consequences for this first servant? Well, the master put the first servant into prison until he could pay off all the debt. Now, from what we've read, could this debt ever be repaid? And the answer is no. Not in an entire lifetime. And so this was a life or eternal sentence. And in case any of Jesus' listeners missed the point of his parable, missed the point of this profound story Jesus adds in the last verse so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart and so forgiveness is required for a believer to retain God's forgiveness in their life unforgiveness that's not repented of and if you repent of unforgiveness what you have to do you have to forgive the person you had refused to forgive that will result in the loss of God's forgiveness for your own life. And that has eternal consequences. Now, many people attempt to justify unforgiveness towards others in a variety of ways. And, and really, when you think about it, these excuses are often rooted in pride. We don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to offer to forgive. We feel like if we forgive somebody, we're giving this other person a free pass. We're letting them off the hook. Perhaps we think if we forgive this person, we're saying what you did was all right. It really is, wasn't that bad. We often believe the other person doesn't deserve to be forgiven, which could be true, often is true. People often say things like, well, after what they did to me, I could never repay them or never forgive them. After they did 
what they did to me, I could never forgive them. We might need to remember that what we did to God is far worse than what people have done to us. We didn't deserve to be forgiven. But God forgives us anyway. And so we in turn can forgive others through the grace that God gives us. Now our forgiveness does not release others from God's judgment. It simply releases others from our judgment. We forgive them as God has forgiven us. I'd like us to watch a short video about forgiveness called The Forgiven, which I, I think addresses a number of these things and summarizes what we've been talking about today. We as believers are the forgiven. God calls us to forgive. I like the phrase in there, we are appealing to a higher court. And what that means is you're not letting people off the hook. I mean, they still have to deal with God. We forgive. And they need God's forgiveness. And that's one of the ways, as we'll talk about in a minute, that we can pray for those people. So how can we apply this profound story of Jesus to our own lives? I'd like to encourage you to take inventory of your own life, your own relationships this morning. Do you have any strained relationships with friends or family because of hurts in the past? Might be big, might be not so big. Think of someone you need to forgive because of a past hurt. How do you know you need to forgive somebody? Well, whenever you think of what they did to you and you can't seem to forget, you get angry with them. Maybe you don't even say anything to their face. But you have a feeling of bitterness in your heart towards them. You know you haven't really forgiven them. If you have that inside for yourself, begin to pray for that other person and ask God to bless them. Begin to pray for yourself that God would give you a forgiving attitude. And I found in my life, forgiveness is more of a process than a one-time event, especially if the hurt is deep. When the thought of the other person comes to your mind, within yourself, you say, God, help me to forgive them. I, I forgive them in my heart. And perhaps a week later, you see them and mm, you feel it coming up again and say, I choose to forgive. I choose not to hold a grudge. I choose not to be angry. And it's a process. And over time, that forgiveness brings healing to your own heart. In life. If it's possible, take the initiative to go to the person, to offer forgiveness, to seek to bring about reconciliation in that relationship. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. The Bible says to be at peace with others as much as it depends on you. So true reconciliation takes two. We can only do our part. Our part is to forgive and to seek that reconciliation. If the other person doesn't respond, then we leave them in God's hands and continue to pray for them. Perhaps you know of someone who's holding a grudge against you. Take time to pray for that person. Ask God for an opportunity for restoration. Pray that God would bless that person and bring about a change in, in their heart. 
And then you need to think about yourself. Was I in the wrong or not? If I was in the wrong, I should consider going to that person and repenting of my sin, telling them I'm sorry. If I was not in the wrong, or at least I didn't think I was in the wrong, we still need to do what we can to bring peace to the relationship. And again, some things we need to leave in God's hands. We can do what we can do. Uh, and we pray for God to work in their heart to bring reconciliation. Some things cannot always be reconciled. Some relationships cannot be restored. But we have to do our part. And that keeps us in right relationship with God. And pray, continue to pray for the other person. God has made peace with us through Jesus Christ. And he calls us to be peacemakers. And that means forgiving everyone who is hurt us, everyone who has sinned against us. Now, in order to have God's grace to truly forgive others, of course, we need to be forgiven as a believer in Jesus Christ. And we do that simply by admitting that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things. We've hurt, first and foremost, God by sinning, and we've hurt other people. And we confess those sins to God. We believe that Jesus died to forgive us our sins. And we implore God as these servant, that first servant implored the king to forgive us. And God graciously will forgive us. We believe Jesus died that our sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead and we commit our lives to following him as our Lord and Savior. I'd like us to bow our heads now. We're going to pray. And uh, if you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord, it's not a bad thing to do. Uh, it's a good thing to recommit your life to the Lord on an ongoing basis, to reaffirm that commitment. If you've never prayed a prayer like this before, I encourage you to do that as well. So let's pray. Father, today, we admit that we've sinned, we've done wrong things. And we cannot pay the price that that sin debt can be forgiven. And so we ask for your forgiveness. We believe Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for our sin that we might be forgiven. And now we ask for you to apply that forgiveness to our lives. We believe that Jesus rose from the grave. He's alive today. And we commit our lives to following him as our Savior and Lord. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you today for this awesome forgiveness that you made available to us for our sins. God, help us to realize the enormous debt that you paid. It, sometimes we minimize our sin, the sin we had in our past, the sin we still have in our lives. But God, it's It's an enormous debt. It's a debt that we can't repay. Even one little sin has eternal consequences. And we're so grateful that you made a way for us to be forgiven and have a relationship with the Holy God. Forgive us for the times that we have not forgiven others or held grudges. We ask for your forgiveness. Today we turn away from that unforgiveness. 
And we choose to always forgive. No matter who has hurt us, no matter how many times, no matter how difficult it may have been. We ask that you give us the grace and love to forgive those who have hurt us as you have forgiven us. I pray, God, that no one here would ever refuse to give forgiveness. That no one here would ever say, I can't forgive that person. God, when we have those thoughts, we pray that you would remind us that you can help us to forgive. We're not on our own in forgiving others. That you can help us to forgive those it's difficult. May no one here ever refuse to give forgiveness and so lose their forgiveness with you. Help us to be peacemakers in all of our relationships. Whether we've sinned against someone else or someone has sinned against us. Help us to bring about healing in our relationships wherever we go. In our families, in our workplaces, and in our church family. Show us how to help others to be peacemakers and bring restoration and reconciliation to their relationships as well. Father, today we pray for our church. We pray that uh, you would strengthen us, God, that you would encourage us, that you give us divine favor to reach out in new ways to those around us. Today we pray uh, for Vicki, who's in Lithuania, God. We thank you for opening the door for her to be at a new church there, a new Assemblies of God church plant in Lithuania in the capital. And we thank you for that opportunity. We pray that you'd bless her and the missionaries there that are seeking to plant a true gospel work in a country that needs your touch. We also pray for our missionaries, Richard and Deborah Crabb, who are missionaries in Germany that we support and who will be with us in the com this coming March. We ask that you bless them as they begin to itinerate in this country to raise support as they continue to plan to train leaders and to plant churches in Germany uh, in a country that desperately needs your touch. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.